I'm going to share um, from a couple of books that have really been ministering to me lately. One is called Identity Theft. And this is a Bible study that I'm doing at my church. And it's uh, a collection of different authors, but it's edited by Melissa Kruger, Identity Theft. And it's really about our identity in Christ. I saw Christina out there in Zoom land. And so this might be a little bit of a repeat for you, Christina. Um, so uh, you'll have to share with me later um, what if you gleaned anything new. But I'm going to read from a chapter called Servant, Reaping a Reward. And, you know, I called this um, Serving with Gentleness. And that was to be gentle with you uh, rather than um, calling you servants. But we'll get into that a little bit as we go. I'm just going to read the beginning of the chapter of Servant. It's Wednesday night. I've cooked dinner for the Bible study we host each week in our apartment. The meal is ready on time. As members arrive from their jobs around the city, they exclaim how amazing dinner smells. And it turns out to be tasty. The men help themselves to seconds. And the women again announce that it was amazing. I think silently, I love to serve. Can you think of a time when you've had an experience like that? It's Thursday night. Like, really? Thursday? What, what? It's Thursday night. I've cooked dinner for my husband and myself. I got a late start because I forgot to buy fresh garlic at the store and had to go back. I turn the oven up, hoping the meal will cook faster. The kitchen is hot and I'm a bit sweaty, but we sit down to eat not too many minutes after I had planned. And as I cut into my chicken breast, I see the sickening pink of an uncooked middle. I look over at my husband who is silently cutting around the center of his chicken breast. I start a passionate internal monologue of self-defense. He has no idea how much I do for us. He takes me for granted. Our oven is not reliable. I do too much for our church. The fact that our chicken is raw is not my fault. Let's stop for a minute. Can you think of a time when you've ever had an experience like that? These two scenarios encapsulate my love-hate relationship with serving. When serving makes me look good, it's rewarding. And when my service is deficient, for example, raw chicken, I get angry and want to blame someone. And when my service is overlooked, I feel resentful and unappreciated. And today, I, I just want to share with you some things that I've been learning as uh, the Lord has brought uh, this study and um, my daily Bible studies um, to me, and he's teaching me things about serving. And I love this quote. It says, everybody wants to be a servant until we get treated like one. So I want you to think for just a minute what your ministry is and who you serve. Many of us um, serve our husbands. We serve children, maybe grandchildren. Um, we often have ministry responsibilities. 
Um, we may care for elderly parents. We may care for um, someone that's sick. We may care for people in the community. We all have people that we serve. And you know, um, sometimes if you're a leader, you're especially a servant because God calls those who lead to serve. And um, if you sometimes feel like you want approval and you want recognition, actually that's because God designed us to seek approval. Jesus delighted to do the Father's will. And that's John 6, 38. And so we are designed to want to please. We want to please God. We want to please the people that we're serving. Um, and sometimes we serve um, hoping for the approval of man. And Paul has something to say about that. In Galatians 1.10, he says, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And in 1 Thessalonians 2.4, he said, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. So I think even Paul, who I think of as one of the greatest servants of all, was clear and intentional about whether he was serving man or serving God. And pleasing others is a good thing. But when I serve for others' approval rather than God's, I put them in a place of the master and I forget my true identity. I am a servant of God. And 2 Corinthians 10, 18 says, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. We were talking in our um, small group that, uh, that does a study about why we might seek approval of man. And someone suggested that it might be because the approval of God is kind of nebulous. It's not like something that you automatically maybe know or see or feel. And we often look to the affirmation of man to know that we're doing a good job. I thought that was a great point. But maybe it's not the approval of others that um, you are seeking. Maybe it's appreciation. You know, maybe you live with teenagers that you get little more than an eye roll from. Maybe your house keeps getting dirty no matter how many times you clean it. No one around it, no, around you notices all the things that you have to do to keep it in order. Maybe you have young adults who want you enough to need you for something, but not enough to really want your advice on anything. Sometimes, we don't even know that we want appreciation. Sometimes we don't even know we have expectations until they don't happen. And then we realize, wow, I didn't 
get any thanks for that. Um, I didn't even know I had an expectation for that. And sometimes we can get irritated or bitter or even think that we don't want to keep doing the good things that we're doing because nobody really notices or appreciates us. Once we know we're serving the Lord rather than man and women, we can stop worrying about whether we're underappreciated. So I don't know if anyone struggles with either of those two things, feeling not appreciated and whatever it is that you do every day, or feeling like you are seeking approval that maybe you're not getting. I know I can struggle with both of those. So why do we serve? Well, Ephesians 2.10 says that we're created for good works. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he already prepared ahead of time for us. And pleasing God ought to be our supreme motive for serving. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servants. And also, when we serve and we do good, we let our light shine in the world and we glorify God. And that's a desire of our heart. So we're going to turn to Colossians 3. And if it's okay with you, I might skip around a little bit in there. But um, Colossians 3 talks about Christian character. And I'm going to go ahead and read 12 through the end of the chapter, and then we'll kind of come back and talk about a few. Colossians 3, 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint, against another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then there's some instructions for the home. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And bondservants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And again, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So one of the reasons we serve is because there's a reward. There's a reward, and it says in Colossians 3, 23 and 24, 
And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's okay. It's okay to serve for a reward. God wired us that way. And I also love that it mentions um, bond servant. So I think you know that a bond servant was a servant in biblical times who was actually free to leave. They weren't a slave. They either had fulfilled their time with the master um, or have been released from obligation to the master. And this servant would take an awl, uh, an awl, a sharp awl, and they would um, put their ear against the doorpost of the home of the master, and they would drive the awl through their ear to the doorpost. And that would be a sign to the master of the home that that bond servant would stay there willingly to be cared for and to serve. And they would have that hole as a reminder that they had made that commitment and as a sign to others that they were serving willfully. And Paul many times refers to himself as a bond servant. And I love that that was included in the instructions in the home. Have you ever felt like a bond servant? Well, you're fulfilling the obligations in the home and prayerfully, willfully, <laughs> you're there <laughs> by choice. But it's a thought that, you know, these, these um, characteristics are expected of a bond servant as well. And I love Psalm 16, it actually happens to be my favorite psalm. And I'm going to turn there. You can turn with me if you want. Psalm 16 and verse 5 and 6. Oh, Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. And some translations say, I have a beautiful, surely I have a beautiful inheritance. And so we do serve because there is a reward and there is an inheritance that the Lord has provided for us. Those are great motives for serving. And there may be other motives for serving. I can say that I haven't always served with a joyful heart. You know, um, does anyone ever get busy? Is, is, is anyone ever like one commitment away from a total meltdown? Does that really happen? It does happen. And, you know, I always say when I feel kind of busy, I only give one yes at a time. You know, I don't know why it seems like sometimes all my yeses converge in the same three-day period. You know, I said, yes, I would teach Sunday school once a month. But I said, yes, I would. Uh, do this other event once a week. And I said, yes, I will host a birthday party. And I said, yes, I will, you know, meet up for coffee. And all those yeses happen in a three-day period of time. And then I'm like, this is all good stuff, Lord. Why am I so stressed out? 
And at the core of most of our strivings is a search for worth. And one of the things I love about this Bible study, Identity Theft, is that it really challenges you to look at your identity in Christ and to see in the areas that you are striving um, that it really is a search for worth. And but our worth is our worth is defined. Our worth is rock solid. Our worth is determined by God who loves us dearly and who never changes. I need to remember that. I need to remember that when I'm striving and I'm struggling and I'm thinking about all I have to do or whether I was appreciated or I just need to stop and say, God's determined my worth and it's him that I'm serving. So I asked you to think a little bit about what your ministry might be because yes, we serve the Lord, and that's our primary motive, but we do serve people. You may serve in ministry outside of the home. You may have a husband who serves in the church and you have to come alongside him or you get to come alongside him and serve. That's a different, a different kind of service than service in the home. But ultimately we're serving the same person. How do we serve? You know, do we serve like Martha? I serve a little like Martha, to be honest. And I may not say it out loud. You know, I appreciated in the opening paragraph that she had an internal monologue with herself because I often have external dialogues with people when things aren't going exactly the way I think they should go. Sometimes we're very busy running around and making sure that everybody else is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Some of us serve like Dorcas who made clothing for people. And uh, she was also known as Tabitha. When she died, people wept because she had been such uh, a woman of great service to them. And Peter did raise her from the dead through Jesus Christ. And I wonder what she did when she came back to life. Did she retire? Did she go, that was, that was a close one. I better take it easy. Or do you think she went back to serving people? What do you think? Um, another one of my favorite books that I'm gonna recommend is On Being a Servant of God by Warren Wearsby. This is a wonderful book to do for like a month long devotion. It's 31 short verses, he calls them chats on serving. And this is really serving in ministry, but it applies to wherever your ministry is, whether it's at home or in the community, or if it's in a church. And he says, it's not great talents that God blesses. It's a great likeness to Jesus. See, it's not about what we do for God. It's what he does in us, through us, and in spite of us. And, you know, I found great freedom in thinking about this thought. It may not seem too profound at first, but bear with me. I struggled a lot when I get the Martha complex to say, Lord, Help me remember who I'm serving. Who am I serving? 
Am I serving man or am I serving you? And if I'm not sure, or I think I'm serving you, then tell me, how am I serving you? In this thing that I'm doing, that I'm busy, that's taking my time, that I'm committed to, how am I serving you in this? But then the Lord really ministered to me that it's more than just serving man or serving God. I don't need to serve God for him to accomplish something. It's not about me. It's not what I do. It's not what I do to serve God. It's not what I do to serve my family. It's not what I do to serve others. It's what God is doing. And I get to be a part of that. He's changing me as I um, struggle through the attitudes I have about serving, whether they're, I love serving, or whether it's, well, it's not my fault that this whole thing went bad. He's working through me in that. He's working through when I rub up against other people in my serving. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been serving and there's just a burry person that you have to rub up against? He's working in you and in that person as you work through that. So I find so much freedom when I'm not thinking about what I'm doing for God. It's not like I have a list. This is what I'm doing for God today. I'm serving my husband. I'm, you know, I'm going to send a card to somebody. I'm going to go out of my home and do this thing. No, I don't have to check any of that. None of that matters. It's what God is doing. And praise the Lord, he uses me in spite of myself. I like to think about serving like Jesus. Would you turn to Philippians 2, beginning in verse, oh, let's start from the beginning. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship in the spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and has given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. And then if we can just jump down to 14, because that's like, yes, I love serving. So Philippians 2, 14, 
Do all things without grumbling and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the universe. I said universe. I like that better. So do we do all things without grumbling and complaining? Actually, I dated that verse in my Bible about 10 times. That's what I do when one of our speaks to me. I put a little date so I can remember that the Lord revealed that to me. And then 10 times later, I'm like, I think maybe I better memorize this verse because <laughs> there's a reason this keeps speaking to me. So can we do all things without grumbling and complaining? And then if you will turn to John 13, this is another example of how Jesus served. 13.1, John 13.1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil had, having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel with which he was girded. And then I want you to... Um, Come on down to verse 14. Jesus said, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who, who is sent greater than he who sent them. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So Jesus, king of the universe, washes the disciples' feet. But the thing that really spoke to me this time when I read this was that Jesus washed Judas's feet. Knowing that Judas was going to betray him, he washed his feet. And I think back about that grumbling and complaining part about how we are sometimes going to be called to serve someone who maybe has betrayed us or someone we may, we may not know. We might be after the fact. We can sometimes serve and become bitter because we did so much for a person. I think this can happen with children sometimes. And possibly spouses, um, parents even. Something that really spoke to me happened to be in another study that I did, and I'm going to just share this app with you. Some of you may use it. It's called um, the YouVersion Bible app. You download it. It's on your phone, and there are hundreds of Bible studies that you can choose from. You can do them alone, or you can do them with a friend. You can do a two or three day study. You can do a hundred day study. 
And I chose one called unoffendable. One of the days during, it's a 10-day study, and one of the days during this study highlighted the verses 12 and 13. So if we can go back there, I told you I might jump around a little. It's verse 13. Well, let's start in 12. That's what Jennifer would do. <laughs> Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. This study talked about making allowances for other people's sin. And, you know, I was thinking something I've really been working on is making margin in my daily schedule so that when the Lord calls me to do something kind of unexpected, I'm not like, it's not on my schedule, Lord. I don't think I can fit that in. But to, um, because I'm not making a list and checking it twice, and because um, I really want to let the Lord do the work and work in me, I've tried to leave some margin in my life so that I'm not stressed out. I'm not that one phone call away from freaking out or that one commitment away from freaking out. And I thought, wow, you know, I need to make margin in my life for people to sin. I need to make margin in my life for the person who's going to offend me unexpectedly. And do you know the people who have offended you probably don't even know they did it. And do you know people that maybe you're having a little resentment about? They probably don't know they offended you. It works both ways. We don't know who we've offended and we don't the people who offended us don't know. And so if we make margin in our life to expect that we're going to be disappointed, that we're going to be offended, that we're going to be unappreciated, that we're going to be unnoticed, then there's a lot more grace that we can give others. And how much grace have we received? You know, one of the things that I've learned in forgiveness is to write down the offenses of the person who's forgiven, who has, that I am forgiving, who has offended me and to be as specific as possible and pray down through that list. After I've forgiven them, ask the Lord to forgive me for my sin. That is a result of the offense that they did to me. And, you know, I had a really interesting um, experience with that. I had some people who had offended me and I knew I needed to work through forgiveness. And so I wrote down every offense. And I prayed through it. I released them to the Lord. Lord, they're not responsible to me for this sin. They're responsible to you. You're the forgiver. You've forgiven me my sins. I don't have to collect from them to pay my account. My account's painful. I'm releasing them to you. And then when I got to the next step and I started listing my sins, do you know they were almost identical to the ones that I just forgiven to other people? It's amazing how often we are guilty of exactly the effects that we are pointing out in somebody else. Interesting exercise. If you want to take that on, let me know how it goes. Second Timothy 2.24, 
says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God, so that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. And so I called this serving with gentleness because the theme is the fruit of the spirit. And I had to figure out how to fit that in. So the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then I want to encourage you, and um, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And this happens to be my verse kind of for the year, something that I, that really ministered to me at the beginning of the year, like January 1st. So I said, I'll take it. It's a long chapter. And verse 58 says, therefore, my beloved sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Whatever you do, whether you are changing diapers or whether you are cooking meals or whether you are vacuuming around your husband who lifts his legs so that you can clean under him, whether you are working outside of the home and serving other people who don't appreciate it, whether you are in a season of rest and you're not serving the way you wish you could serve, or you're serving in quiet, solitary ways, um, sitting at the feet of Jesus and being a, a Mary, whatever you do in the will of the Lord for the glory of God is not done in vain, nothing. And so, uh, I encourage you to serve. If you're not serving and you can, step up. Can I tell you, 20% of people do 80% of the work in ministry. Ask anybody. There's always a place for you if you want to serve. If you're doing too much, step back. It's okay. You don't have to keep a list. God's doing the work. He'd love to use you if he calls you, but you don't have to do it because somebody else won't or someone else might not. You do it because the Lord's called you to do it and you want to be a part of something that he's doing. And you might be in a season of rest or you're just healing or the Lord wants you just sitting at his feet and that's okay too. So ask the Lord what he would have you do. And I have just a couple more thoughts. This is from Warren Wearsby, The Joy of Serving Jesus. You have one, the joy of pleasing the Lord. And that's Ephesians 6, 6. You have the joy of becoming more like Jesus. And that's Romans 8, 29, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Nothing is wasted that is ever done for Jesus in the will of God. And number four, as you serve the Lord, nothing happens to you except what the Lord, the Lord has ordained will happen to you. And that's Philippians 1.12. And the serving that you do for the Lord will last eternally. It's storing up treasure in heaven. 
And Wiersbe says, most of the people we meet day after day are either wasting their lives or merely spending their lives. But God's servants are investing their lives in what is eternal. So remember when you're serving, wherever you're serving, that you're investing in God's kingdom and that it all matters. Nothing is wasted. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for what you are showing me. I do love serving. I love serving today. And I pray, Lord, that you would stir within my sisters here the joy of serving in whatever circumstance you have put them in. Sometimes we're serving people we don't even know how to serve. But, Lord, you can show us how to love them. You can show us just how to show kindness and gentleness. And I just thank you for your word that gives us so many rich, rich instructions into what living for you and serving for you, for your glory, look like. I pray that you would just encourage us and uh, allow us many opportunities to serve you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.